Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Throat Punch Monday with Lynn and Leah. I'm pretty excited about this one because not only is he an army vet, so go army. Yes. He's also a chief, which I'm going to get into a little bit, like how special that is. It's a little different Lynn than in the Navy, but to introduce uh, chief Bauman, we're going to actually show you this really cool video because he's kind of highfalutin and we're thrilled to have him on the show. So hang tight to this really very cool intro. It's going to tell you a little bit about Chief, and then we're going to get into his story and what he's doing for our veterans now. Give me just one sec. I'm going to try this again. Maybe if I hit play first. You know, every story has a beginning. And obviously, my story began on 9 11. Um, at that time, I worked at DP1, the National Guard Bureau. And in that morning, I was um, the ranking officer there, the CW2, uh, waiting for my boss to come in. We had just watched the planes hit the Twin Towers. Uh, my boss came in, me and another E6, left JP1 and headed to walk over to our swing space there at the Pentagon. After I was called back to the building after my initial uh, rescue efforts, um, I called a good friend of mine who was actually in the Air Force, and I was asking him, how can we track those cell phones? And so he came up with an idea of using a spectrum analyzer. But actually, the next day on the 9-12, we went back down to the Pentagon, and we actually got into the site, and then we started working our way around the Pentagon, picking up cell phone pings. And when we would pick up a ping, Bob would stay outside the building, and I would enter the building and retrieve the cell phone, see if it was attached to somebody that was injured or, or hurt or needed help. Unfortunately, everybody that we had found had deceased. You know, that had a, a really profound effect on me. Um, we stayed there until early morning of the 13th. We left the scene. I went home, uh, called my family. They haven't heard from me in over 36 hours. I had no idea if I was alive or, or what. Took my hats, boots, and uniform off, put them in a box, got in the shower to wash all the mud, the dirt, you know, the blood, the debris, everything that had crawled through and had on my body. And that was probably the first time that I really, really broke down, put my uniform in the wash, and got up the next day and didn't talk about it, uh, which ultimately, a, a year later, in 2002 is when I attempted suicide at my brother's house in Kansas City. And as I went out and told my story at Hope More and iterated with soldiers, family members, I really became the mental health warrior that I am now today, where I let people know that it's okay not to be okay. All right. It's a really powerful video. Yeah. That's the last video made in uniform. Wow. Well, Chief, first of all, thank you so much for coming here. We don't normally have men on our show, but I just really wanted to, um, like Lynn was like, hey, how do you feel about having a man? And I was like, bring it because we're all one team, one fight. Yeah. And I think especially, you know, this message is a message that the men over at Veteran Trash Talk are very passionate about. We are passionate about it here. And it's something that is not gender biased at all, mm -hmm. you know, especially with the war that has been going on the last 20 years. So we're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I want to just go over a couple of notes here too. So we saw that video, we saw you speaking now. So you're now a motivational speaker. I wanna get into that um, and really helping other veterans uh, around the nation. And you've been featured on AFN, several podcasts, as well as now you write blogs for Military Network Rally Point. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been 20 years since the attack. I can only imagine seeing 
those pictures of places that you physically were in might still be a trigger for you. So I appreciate mm-hmm. you even sharing that video for us to share. Um, and then Lynn and I, you know, um, it shaped our lives as well. I know that I was actually supposed to be going to basic training on September 12th. Mm-hmm. I had been in my reserve unit for a year at that time and was supposed to leave and it was bananas. Lynn, um, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about yeah. Um, well, I was in high school when that happened and, uh, September 11 was really one of the factors of why I enlisted into the military. So, so definitely shaped our me. lives. Yeah. My, <laughs> my mom called me and my sister was deployed. She was in the Navy. And so she was, uh, one of the first to fly over Iraq, uh, and so she had called my mom and then my mom called me and she was just freaking out because now she's got two girls that are getting ready to, you know, fight in a war. And she's like, just don't go, don't go. You haven't left yet. You're going to, you're going to go to war. And I said, mom, I signed up in peacetime, but this is, this is part of my yeah. oath and this is what I'm here for. So I'm going. And she's like, I knew you were going to say that. So, um, you know, it's very, very powerful. And I love how hearing the different stories. But Chief, you have a very special story in that it affected you being right there at the Pentagon and drove you to attempt suicide, which thank God that you are still here with us and now you are changing lives. So let's let's hear it from you um, more about your story and what you're doing. Well, you know, just like in a video, I, I talked about how, how what I did a little bit on 9-11 and, and how all that transpired, you know, it, you know, I, I I talk about it all the time with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, you know, when you have it, anything comes back to you and it's like the most vivid dream you ever had in entire life. And just anything can trigger you. It can be a picture, a snap of a twig, the wind could blow, you know, a certain way. And it takes you back to what was happening that day. And it doesn't have to be anything as traumatic as, as you know, the Pentagon. It could be just something less, but it's how you perceive it. And I think a lot of times people forget about that. It's it's, you know, well, it didn't bother me, then it shouldn't be bothering you. And I think we have to get away from that mindset. It's how that person or that individual, um, you know, how it affected them. Um, I know on, on 9-11 had a profound effect on me. Um, you know, when I started to have my issues and problems, I masked them by drinking. Um, and so I would have those nightmares about what I saw and what I did on 9-11. And, and so and for me not to have those dreams, I just started drinking more. And then when I was command directed to go to counseling, now back in 2002, the military was completely different. And had I not had leaders support me, I would have been chaptered out of the military. It's just that simple. They would have put you on medical order for 60 days. You'd been evaluated and they would have kicked you out. Yeah. Um, I was lucky that I had leaders that supported me. Um, you know, but when I went, because command directed into counseling, I just lied to my counselors to get that stamp of approval to say I was fit for duty and I didn't no longer need to go to counseling, which is the wrong thing to do. And so when I was home on the December 20th, um, I don't know what truly was a trigger that night. I was at home at my brother's house in Kansas City. I was I was drinking, uh, had an overwhelming sense of guilt come over me, but also I was tired. And people ask me all the time and I'm honest about it. You know, what were you thinking at that moment? at that time that you no longer wanted to live. And it's a combination of things. For me to go from where I was at A all the way to Z and as close to completing as you can get without completing was a process. And so what I tell them is I was tired uh, because my family was constantly asking me, hey, what are you going through? What's going on? 
And I didn't understand it to tell them what was going on myself. And, and that made them be more worrisome. And then I had the stress of work, you know, because most of the time I'm a happy go lucky guy, you know, country boy from Missouri, but you know, my, my attitude changed at work because I was tired from drinking all night. So I would pass out. And then obviously that has its own ramifications. And then just the guilt of not finding anybody alive. And, you know, a lot of psychiatrists will tell you that that becomes a coupling effect. And when all the pieces magically fit in together, that's when they know that suicide attempts occur. And, you know, I wrote a suicide note, um, took 20 plus sleeping pills. I'm not too for sure the number, but I know it was over 20. Uh, lay down on the couch and was kind of drifting off. And then my older brother, who's a nurse at Truman Medical Center there in Kansas City, got a funny feeling at work and he called the house and I didn't answer. And it's when I didn't answer that he he rushed home and ultimately saved my life. It was then that, you know, after you tipped on your life, then you have to go spend three days in a state-run mental ward. And that really makes you realize that whatever problems you think you're having, they're really not that bad. And so it kind of changed my focus in my my vision. So when I was going back out to Virginia, I decided that I was going to concentrate on cliff bombing and not my military career. And so when I re-entered counseling, I was more open and honest with my counselor about what I was feeling and, and why I was having those thoughts and dreams. And it kind of just really felt like a big weight being lifted off my chest to kind of really talk about it. And it's because of that. And then fast forward 10 years later, I was at uh, MRT school at University of Penn, Master Resiliency Training Course. I know you guys have had those classes if you've been in the military, because I managed that program for TRADOC. And it was then in 2012, when I first publicly spoke about my suicide attempt. And it, all the soldiers knew me for two weeks as being this laughy, jokey guy, go out, play trivia, you know, at night, whatever, at the bar, and, and just have a, a fun time. And then at the end of the, the course, I get up and tell my story. Nobody expected that. And the response I got from soldiers afterward had six soldiers come up and talk to me and three of them had attempted suicide themselves, but nobody knew about it. They kept it from the military, really decided that I needed to try to do more. And I wasn't too sure what to do. And it's funny how things, you know, fall in place sometimes. Um, VA made the connection with starting their, um, their program where they were doing stories of veterans and things. And they got in contact with me. And that's the first video I made uh, telling my story of uh, what 9-11 and then what my suicide attempting going on having a successful military career. At that time, I was the only active duty officer to ever publicly speak about my suicide attempt and mental health. And you know what? I, I just I just kept going with it. And that's where we are here today. You know, one thing I tell soldiers and, and anybody who will listen to me, you know, it's OK not to be OK. We all can not have good days. We have bad days. Um, but if you do the right thing and you open up, especially in the military, you can go on to have a, a successful career. I mean, I was in the military for 34 years. That's a long time. So. Wow. And that's I mean, that's so powerful. I I gleaned so many things from that because you are, you know, I'm not trying to be like throw up the gender thing here, but I'm, I'm a little old fashioned anyway, even though I was like very tough female in the mm -hmm. army, but you know, you're a man, so you're kind of expected to be tougher. Yep. You are yeah. a senior mm -hmm. leader. So, I mean, that's kind of stuff is, is expected to never come out of your mouth. So I can only imagine oh. what a shock it was, but also, you know, what a relief for the soldiers that you're talking to. Cause when you hear somebody at your stature, like being real and be like, Hey, listen, this, 
affects everybody. Like yeah. nobody is exempt from this. Like that had to make a huge impact. So, I mean, that's, and it, you know, it's incredibly brave to do that because when you are in that position, you know, I'm sure it's scary. I mean, it's scary regardless <laughs> of, of what your rank and status is, yeah. but especially when you have made it so far in your career, because of course, you know, there's always that doom and gloom of like, is this going to affect my career? But I love what you said that you're going to focus on yourself and not your yeah. career. And that that's when you really started impacting other people. So that, and is- I think, I think when I made that decision to focus on myself and as my career moved forward, were there always good leaders I had that supported what I did? Absolutely. Were there bad leaders that didn't support what I did? Absolutely. But that, I mean, you get that anywhere in life, whether you're in the military or in the civilian world or whatever. I mean, you had good leaders, bad leaders. I mean, I've had it, you know, when I went and made the video for VA Make the Connection, my leader didn't support me. So I had to take leave and pay for my own way to travel to Washington, D.C. to make the video. But I thought it was that important to go and do. So it really didn't matter. I mean, you get as many years as I get. I mean, you get some point, you know, what are they going to do to me, really? But make me retire. So, okay, you know. So I have a question. Um, where does that strength come from to be able to go on and move on from your own demons, still dealing with your own demons, but helping other soldiers and other people as well? You know, I, I believe I survived for a reason. And, you know, I think I, I go out and do what I do to help others. And, you know, I, t- I say this all the time in, in a documentary that the Able Channel filmed on, and it's going to be released next year. Um, you know, one of the things I say on, if I can just save one person from not going down the path, then a little bit of heartache and stress and mental fatigue it gives to me, then it was well worth it because I know what that path looks like and I don't want anybody to go back down it. And so, and it's just the feedback I get from, from people when I go out and do speaking events, you know, they come up and talk to me afterwards. And that really gives me the strength to keep, keep going that I'm doing the right thing. I'm on, you know, I'm on your guys' program tonight to, to talk about it. Um, that kind of really gives me strength. I'm always humbled when people want me to come and speak because, you know, I, I just, I grew up in a small town of 6,000 people, you know, and who am I? Uh, I'm just trying to do some good, make some bad, good out of a bad situation. So. Well, and that's exactly, but that's who our heroes are. That's who, you know, like um, it's everyday people that, and you don't have to wear the uniform, you know, but um, that's who our heroes are that are, that are, come from that dark place and are willing to put others, you know, before themselves, but you have to still work on yourself in order to get to that place. Like I'd love chief for us to kind of, can we kind of dispel maybe some untruths about people that um, might have suicidal thoughts and feelings like, you know, something I always heard growing up was like, well, they're the most selfish people ever. And I mean, obviously I know that is untrue. Right. But can like, from your perspective, is there anything like that, that you can address and like, let's squash it and understand this. These are kind of the the thought process. I think even before you get to the point where somebody wants to attempt suicide, I think we have to get rid of the stigma associated with going and getting mental health. Mm-hmm. help. Um, I, I know that had, I grew up on a farm, so my dad never talked about his problems. We never talked about it. I never saw my dad cry and he died at 74, you know, so it, it just was not in my family. And when I started having issues and problems, it made it four times as hard 
because I didn't want to show that I sit in a corner and cry like a baby or something like that. I, I didn't want to show that to my father. And that became very difficult and hard. And I think whether you're male or female, when you grew up in that kind of type of an environment, when you start having issues, it becomes hard. And I tell people all the time, you know, don't be like Cliff Bauman and don't ask for help. I mean, it's so easy to ask for help, but yet so hard to do when you're in that moment in that time. I think, you know, the strides we've made in the last 20 years with mental health and how we view people with mental health issues, with people who may be suicidal and those kinds of things, I think has really changed that there's a lot more we can do to help relieve stigma. And that's why I go out and tell my story of, of hope as much as possible, because I want to start that conversation, right? I want to say, hey, here's Chief Bauman, he's CW4. I was actually promotable to CW5 when I decided to retire, but after being with COVID and being home with my kids for a year, I was like, nah, I'm good. I, I done all I need to do. I didn't need to do anything else. And the military was getting kind of a little restrictive with me doing my speaking events because not anything negative, but because I still had my regular job and, that, and I worked in aviation for 34 years and that was very busy. Um, so really, I just decided that I wanted to you know, focus more on going out doing speaking events and helping others uh, to help kind of get rid of that stigma associated with going and asking for help. Um, you know, I think a lot of times when people say, well, that was selfish for them to do, or that was this, I think they're just hurting inside. You know, they say roughly every 42 seconds, somebody completes suicide across America. And every 43 seconds for the rest of their life, somebody wishes that they could have done something different. Mm. Um, but, you know, I always tell people it's important that if you, you know, Afghanistan, we know a lot of veterans are hurting with, from Afghanistan or or anything, if you just have that family member or, or, you know, a friend or somebody that just kind of went quiet or doesn't talk much, or you just kind of get a funny feeling about like my brother did, you know, pick up the phone and give them a call and just ask them, see how they're doing, you know, because that can go, a, a kind word can go so far to somebody who's hurting. And Chief, what about, so like on our, on our page and in our Facebook group, we, we do have people that will reach out to us individually, or sometimes even on our page, mm -hmm. like asking for help. And they are really kind of on that verge. And I think our team has done a, a phenomenal job of stepping in and, you know, doing all we can through messenger and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. you know, to get a hold of those veterans. But, um, you know, is there is there something like, are there certain things that if, if anybody is in that position where somebody set reaches out and says, help, like, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to hurt myself. Like for the person on the receiving end of, of that, like, what is the best thing for them to do? What are the best things for them to say or way to react yeah. to help that person? You know, there's, there's never going to be a right way to react. Right. Cause you don't know how you're going to react to you in that situation. And, and I've been in that situation. Uh, where I get the call 11 o'clock at night and somebody says, Hey, get on Facebook now. And, you know, buddy, I went to, you know, noon since high school was sitting in the parking lot, you know, with the gun to his head, nobody could get a hold of me. And thank God he knew what I did, you know, in speaking, I was able to get a hold of me and talk to him out of that truck. But I think really, you know, when I made that initial phone call and he picked up, uh, don't be judgmental. Mm -hmm. Don't immediately jump on him and try to help. The more relaxed you, you are, I think the more relaxed they'll become. And I think sometimes you just need to listen to them uh, and, and maybe get them to talk about what got them to that point, but also on the back end, why they're, and you may want to write, write it down as you're talking to them, if you can, just so you remember why they're talking though, be an active listener, uh, really pay attention to what they're saying and, and really just try to get them, convince them to go and, and get help or call or, or try to find out their location. If you don't know the location to try and go and get them help. I tell people all the time, 
you know, if I call 911 and the cops come to your house and it, they save your life, I'd rather have you mad at me than not be here. And, and that's sometimes I think a lot of people are hesitant to make that call because of that. But if somebody is truly going to hurt themselves and go down that path, uh, I think it's very important to try to give them the help. And sometimes calling 911 is the quickest way to get them the help they need uh, just to stop it and then help them afterwards to go on and get help if they, if they still talk to you. But most of the time, that anger kind of goes away after they get help. Is that where you think most of it stems from is, is anger? Um, There's a, it it? a combination of things. I mean, there's, there's so, here's the thing, and, and I talk about this a lot. So in the military, you know, we have suicide awareness month this September, we're having suicide awareness month. You know, the military wants to do one thing and fix it, right? So we're going to do ACE training and it's going to fix suicide and go away, right? The problem with that is, is that you can have generalities on why somebody gets to the point that they get to. The problem is, is that's in, that's personal to them individually. And so that's the problem that you can't get to. You know, I tell people all the time that, you know, once I made that decision, that I didn't want to live no more. Nobody was going to stop me. Mm-hmm. And we have to get the people before they get to that point. And that, that becomes very tough and difficult. And that's where you just kind of have to go with your instincts if you're in that situation. Yeah. But you it's were not an easy so subject to talk right? to. <laughs> yeah. it again? It's I'm definitely sorry. not an easy subject. Um, I know for Leah, what year did you get out? 2013. So we both got out in 2013. And around that time, it's, you know, it's still murky waters to even try to talk about it or mental health. Like during my time, I know that not we, I didn't have any leaders that talked about mental health. So um, for those of us who did suffer from it and those of us who have PTSD and are still active duty or even just getting out as veterans, how do you find that strength in yourself to say, hey, let me go ahead and get that help because I am at this verge, like especially if you're just spiraling down, how do yeah. you get that strength and how do you get rid of that stigma? Well, the- you're not going to get rid of the stigma. It's going to take a long time, right. but I think the more we talk about it and that on programs like yours and others that we open up and be honest about, about mental health and stigma, I think it's going to go a long way. You know, I think that, you know, it's important to remember that with PTSD, you got to find ways to deal with your triggers in a positive manner, whether it's exercise to me, it's speaking about what I went through. That's therapeutic for me, but that also that can be mentally right. draining on me. So I have to be careful. Um, if I do too much, I've done a lot in the past week, uh, two weeks, actually, I've been to California, I've been to Nebraska, I've been to Iowa. I was on Korean TV last night. Now I'm doing your guys' program tonight. Um, but I think it's very important to do that message. But when I get too tired or when I start feeling that weight coming down on me, I just, I take a break, I step back and actually I'm taking next week off and not really doing anything. But I, I think it's, it's finding those those positive ways to deal with it. And I think that's the tough part with PTSD, right? Cause it's hard yes. um, because it can pop up like nine 11 is a trigger for me, October 3rd. Um, uh, saw a boat accident on the Chesapeake Bay. I dove in the water. I saved three out of four fishermen. I received the soldier's medal for that. Um, wow. You know, that, that date's a trigger for me, you know, cause I felt guilty cause I didn't save everybody. Cause the one gentleman passed away, even though three people went home that day that wouldn't have had I not been there. And so we just, it's so easy to focus on the negative, right? It's so easy to focus on the negative. We just got to kind of start focusing on the positive. Um, but I say really go out there. And if, if you're not in a good way and, and go ahead and ask for help or talk to a buddy, a friend, 
you know, and just try to find positive ways to deal with that negative situation. And there's many techniques that therapists use nowadays to do that. And I tell the, the, the person all the time is for one, you have to trust your therapist, right? Because if you don't trust them, you're not going to open up to them. You know, so you have to build that relationship. And if it's not there, it's okay to ask for somebody else. A lot of people don't think that. They think, well, I'm stuck with this person. You don't have to be stuck with that person. If you're active duty military or a veteran or whatever, if you can't have that relationship with them, then you need to go find somebody else. You know, if, if there's somebody that has, you know, trauma, where it's trauma like mine or sexual trauma or something like that, if you have a certain race or gender of a therapist, that may be a trigger for you. You have to go find somebody else that is, and that's okay. You have to find out what's best for you. And, you know, and you're the only one that knows best for you, right? I don't know what's best for you, Lynn or, or Leah. I don't know what's best for you guys, but you know what's best for you. And that's what you have to do. Right. And that's one of our ongoing themes on this show is to be your own advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the hardest things, especially for somebody who came in as enlisted, because we're so used to people telling us where to do what to do, where to go Mm -hmm. or how to feel, how to think. Or some people might just be too scared to speak up for themselves. But finding that voice within you is definitely very important. And and that's why we have the show, Leah and I, is that so that we can have those voices come onto our show and people like you and other people who have been on our show in the past, someone out there is going to relate. Someone out there is going to resonate with your story. And and not everybody's story is the same, but something out there is going to help even that one person. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it's funny. So you think about all the different social media platforms, right? Instagram, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, right. all that. And everybody's got all these little stories that they tell about each other, right? And so that's how we communicate nowadays. And I think the more that we realize that and more that we embrace it, you know, people from my, you know, when you're older, like I am, you know, I'm barely, what, 21 now. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we, we kind of shun social media. And one of the things I talk about in my speaking event is, yeah, social media can be, you know, bad with bullying and other stuff that goes on with it with kids and, and can happen with the grownups. Um, but also it can be a good thing. You know, social media can be done for a good thing. And that's why shows like yours and the other shows are very important because this is what people do nowadays to be entertained, to watch things, to learn things. And I think we just need to understand that and embrace it. And I, and I think sometimes social media gets a bad rep when it shouldn't. That's true. That's just my two cents. It, it does. It's kind of a two-edged mm-hmm. sword, I think, because you do have those keyboard warriors that would never say the things to oh, your face yeah. that yes. they say yeah. on social media, which, you know, and those things can be very damaging, especially if you're not in a good place and you yeah. don't pour into yourself. Um, but, and that's, I mean, that's something that I've had to work on where I'm like, oh, like. Yeah, uh, you just, you just gotta learn to ignore. You know, with what I go out and talk with, you, you would think that why would anybody say any terrible things about what I do? But you'd be surprised at the amount of hate mail and emails that I get. And it's just, I don't, I don't understand it, but people lash out and that's fine. Because uh, they're going to hate. I, yep. That's, yep. You can't, <laughs> you can't change them, oh. but I just, I hope, I hope they go get the help they need. Uh, but then I kind of stop me with what I'm doing. You know, it's like I tell my son all the time because, you know, i got a 17 year old and a seven year old. So I have to understand, you know, how they communicate nowadays and understand bullying on cyberbullying. And I tell my oldest son all the time, I said, they're just words. Mm-hmm. I said, you may feel pain and you may, may feel people talk. I think for girls, it's a lot harder than for boys. I think boys, it bothers them for a little bit and they move on. Some boys, you they're know, my son's been all creatures. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, I was in Iowa last week, um, well, actually a couple of days ago, doing a speaking event, and, the, and a lady came up and talked to me, and her daughter, who's 14, had attempted twice over cyberbullying. 
you know, and just kids mm-hmm. at school making up stupid stuff. And it really impacted her life, you know, and then as a parent, how do you deal with that? Because you can't stop the internet. You right, can't, you know? Mm-hmm. you know, so you have to teach your child that it's only words and it'll, it'll pass. Now there's things as parents you can do, you can contact a school and you can get more involved a little bit there, but uh, you really just got to teach your kids that, you know, it's, they can't, the words can't hit you. It may seem like it. And it's really very real to them. It's not real to me because I didn't grow up with Facebook and cell phones and, and thank God. Uh, Cause I probably wouldn't have been in the military as long as I was, but uh, <laughs> you know, so it's very important. And, and I think that, you know, just having that real conversation, just like we are today talking about, you know, PTSD and mental health and other things, it just becomes more important uh, to get in, in the open and get it out there. And, and I, and I, one of my sessions, like I said, I talk about uh, social media and bullying and stuff. And, and I tell parents, I said, you know, we're all very busy. I said, it's important to take time and, and pay attention to what your children are doing online yeah. and, and well, p- protect them and talk to them about it. Sometimes my child could be the bully. Like one time he was a bully. He yeah. was on a group chat and I told him, listen, how many people are in your group chat? Okay. We're going to drive to each one of their houses and you're going to say exactly what you said on the text to their face and to their parents and he goes no mom no please i said okay if you cannot say it to their face or to their parents face then do not put it out there online because sometimes you got to tell your kid not to be the bully you know so and that's a good life lesson right Mm -hmm. he learned that life lesson you don't want that mold his son Mm -hmm. i do spot checks on his phone i've only done it a couple of times but i'll walk up and say give me your phone Mm-hmm. Yep. you know it freaks him exactly. out but he hands it to me you know so but i mean i, I to, to tell you the truth i really don't look through it because i really don't he's not doing anything bad i just want to make him aware of that that could happen you know at any given time but yeah it's it's tough you know, one of my one of my favorite sayings about that is that hurt people hurt people yeah you know mm-hmm. so yeah. people that are are hurting and they're having issues with themselves and low self-esteem they're the ones that are like being angry and bullying other people Mm -hmm. and coming at other people um you know you're never gonna and you're never gonna have like i i've heard this from a business perspective too you know because i do everything online i build a business on social Mm -hmm. media and it's like some people are haters with that too right Mm -hmm. but you're never gonna have a hater that makes Mm -hmm. more than you right so if they make more than you they're not going to be like what are you doing you're not because they don't care right like they're busy Mm -hmm. making millions while you're over here building your business so right you know it can go you know for it doesn't have to be business related but hurt people hurt people and but we do we we need to be cognizant of that um as we are on social media too, just because if you say something, even jokingly, you know, you can take it out of context because it's on yeah. text. It's not like you can hear me saying it. You can't hear the sarcasm. Right. Right. So, you know, right. some people can't detect sarcasm. Yeah. Not, you know, let's better, not be a veteran. <laughs> In text messages, you can't detect that? Come on. <laughs> they must not be a veteran. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask about um, the blogs that you're writing for Rally Point. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and um, what what sort of things are you writing on there? So, you know, one thing I write about on, on Rally Point is they've never had somebody do like a four or five part series. So my series, mm-hmm. and I really talk about mental health and just being a mental health warrior and what that means to Cliff Bauman. Um, and I think, you know, they've been really popular. I mean, some of them got close to a million views and, and hits and things. And so, you know, what I'm saying is really resonating, you know, in my articles, go out and, and look them up and, and read them. You know, my 17 year old son actually wrote, wrote one 
when he talked about being a high school kid and going through COVID, and that's actually been really popular. He was actually the first um, child to write for Rally Point. And so I'm very proud of him for doing that because a lot of kids have struggled with, with COVID and isolation and being home and, and those kinds of things. And he just wanted, he knows what dad does. So he just wanted to go and write it. And that's really been a popular blog. So I, I really just kind of focus on, you know, one of the blogs I wrote about, I told my story and then I kind of talk about what I do and, you know, it's, you know, walking with my seven-year-old son or, you know, going and doing painting. Sometimes, you know, when Cliff Bauman's really stressed out or I'm just up to here with it, I got woods behind my house and I just go out there and scream at the trees, right? It sounds kind of stupid, yeah. but it works, you know, and, and then, mm-hmm. you know, I work out a lot. I, I enjoy working out, but I do have injuries. So, you know, some days I just can't physically work out. So I have to work around that. And so I just kind of talk about those kinds of things. Um, and, I, and I think um, I had one of my sessions filmed at one of my speaking events in Iowa. They filmed it. We're going to edit it and we're going to post that on Rally Point so people can go out and, and see kind of what I do when I go out and talk. Uh, you know, in my session, I never had that filmed and posted online before. So I'm kind of excited by that. Um, so I, I just try to hit things and talk about things that I think that people really, you know, bothering people at that time. I love that. I want to before and I want to give you a real shout out to while people are watching and listening that you can find out more about Chief and you can even book him for an event at cliffordbauman.com. So it's C-L-I-F-F-O-R-D-B-A-U-M-A-N.com. We'll make sure to post it in the show notes as well. But I just want to make sure that people can check you out there too and see. I've been looking at your website and you have some really cool stuff on there. Um some news and different things that people can watch. And then of course, booking you for an event, which is Mm -hmm. really awesome. I mean, I think what you're doing is incredible and people need to know about it and they need to hear your voice. I'm, I'm so excited that you're doing these things and, and making such a huge impact chief. And, and I want to take a second because I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but if you're not, if you weren't in the army, you may not know, I don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence, <laughs> but a warrant officer, by the way, <laughs> you start out enlisted and yeah. you go up the ranks and then you have to apply to be a warrant officer so that you are an officer, but you are an expert in your field. Yes. And mm-hmm. so it's highly respected by everybody in the army. Like, you know how, if you come in as a butter bar and, you know, enlisted, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, but the warrant officers are like cream of the crop. And I just, I love that we have you here and CW4, turn down CW5. Like that's really that's amazing. amazing. So yep. I just, well, so we you know, have when it, when that. Yeah. Bigger. <laughs> we have warrant officers in the Navy too. I don't know about um, any other, the other branches, but. Yeah. yeah you know, it's funny. My thing. wife's in the Navy. So in the Navy, you know, you call your warrant officers, warrant officers. And in, in we, we call, call them, them warrant, call mm-hmm. them warrant. Right. And in, 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 in the army, we call them chief, but you don't yeah. chief in the we Navy. Have chiefs senior, in the Navy. Right. You're so, senior listed, seven, right? Right? right. So I joke all the time. I know I'm in trouble when my wife calls me warrant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <I screwed> up. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. well, I just want to make sure I gave that huge shout out. I don't know who, like, cause I don't know how the air force works or the Marines work or whatever. I just thought everybody should know that. So, <laughs> well, the Air Force don't have them, so they need to be educated on that. So, yeah, they haven't had them for thirty years. So, oh, that's shocking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love so, you, Air Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just jealous. Shout out to Lita. <laughs> yeah. 
I just edit that out. We can eat in your chow hall every time. <laughs> right? It always cracks me up when they come and stay on an army base and they got, uh, what was that? Uh, they got an extra allowance for, unsu- un- was it um, uh, something under? Savory un- meals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, the army ba- barracks are a little mm-hmm. lower standard than the Air Force, so they gave them a stipend for that. I, I feel like wow. they call yeah. it. it I didn't fun. know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> substandard um, housing, substandard housing, or something like that. They <laughs> substandard, yeah. Well, yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> Even for us, uh, you know, we got to yeah. deal with I it. I mean, off subject, I brought uh, one of my Air Force friends on a family day cruise on the ship, and she cried for me. She was like, oh my God, I didn't think it was this bad. <laughs> <laughs> shout out Soraya hello, <laughs> hello. okay so um although the war has ended right Afghanistan war has ended for United States that war within us is still mm. not over we're still losing you like you said what is it every 42 seconds somebody decides to take their life or doesn't an average of 22 veterans a day through suicide. So right now, veterans are still struggling with the exit mm-hmm. of Afghanistan and those of us who have served in OEF and OIF. Um, what advice do you have for those veterans whom recent events might have triggered them? You know, I, 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 I've had a lot of veterans reach out to me who have been dealing with this. And as an OIF veteran myself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will tell them, you know, politicians don't fight wars, right? but they can end wars and begin wars. And whatever you did in your service, whether you were in Afghanistan or Iraq, be proud of what you did. Um, Be proud of your, your buddies. Um, You know, don't take it to heart of how it ended, you know? Um, But if you are hurting, you are having issues, you know, just reach out to somebody and talk about it. Um, But, but don't, don't take it personally. You know, we sign up, you know, we sign the dotted line we do what we're told. Uh, but I know the horrors of, of war and what happened it can come back and it can haunt you uh, because we all deal with it. Right. Uh, and right. so mm-hmm. I would just say that if you're that veteran out there and you're hurting, you're upset and it's OK to be upset. It's one thousand percent. I'm upset over it. Right. Uh, so it's OK to be upset. But let's just use that upset and anger in a, in a positive manner, uh, whether it's, you know, screaming at your congressman, your senator or whatever, or just calling up that buddy and. And going down to the BFW and slamming back a couple of beers and talking about it and just kind of remembering the good times. I mean, just however you want to deal with it, just just try to deal with it in a little bit more positive way. But don't take it personally about what happened. It doesn't take away from the, what mission you did or, or, or what you accomplished when you're over there uh, at all. You know, we saw that with the Vietnam War. I mean, the same veterans right. went through the mm-hmm. same thing, but they really couldn't talk about it. Uh, you know, when when Vietnam fell and was turned back over. So, you know, I think for any I think for a lot of Vietnam veterans, it affected them the ones that are still alive, what happened in Afghanistan. I was out in California mm-hmm. at Fort Irwin out in a small town at the VFW there. And, and the Vietnam veteran, the guy was just telling me what I just told you, uh, you know, so it did affect him, brought back a lot of memories about what happened to him when he was over there. So it's, it's just a big issue, you know, just pick up the phone and talk with somebody about it uh, and just realize that it's okay. And it's absolutely normal to have those thoughts and feelings. Shout out Fort Irwin. That's where I met my husband. So. Oh, is it? <laughs> hey, I liked it. It wasn't it was a great. lot to it, do. No, it's not a lot to do. <laughs> it's funny because I like to run, right? That's one of the things I do to kind of help, you know, reset my batteries. Yeah. And so I, I always post, you know, I go out and run. And then in my, my speaking event, I talk about I like to run and always have a blip of the pattern I ran around the city or the town wherever I'm at. 
And it's funny because at Fort Irwin, it was like brown, like because you're desert. I mean, that's desert. And I'd never been out there before. I didn't realize how desert it was. And so I leave my hotel, I went on a four mile run. And I got about two miles into it, and my mouth was all dry and I couldn't take it. And I had to sneak into a hotel and steal water to go out to finish my two mile run. <laughs> it's been in the desert since oh. 08 06 08 so yeah it's bad i showed up there and i was like and it's hot so when <laughs> there's not even a so from the base to the closest town is nothing. 30 miles well where yeah. is there, it at what state in, it's california. In california oh okay it's in the middle so you actually drive to death valley okay. to get to it right yeah. right right yeah. yeah um at my job i had some army guys come over to get their documents before they went over to Fort Irwin. So yeah, it's in the middle of the desert. So I'm from, I, I grew up, I grew up in yeah. Southern California, like desert area, but close to the beach. So it wasn't that bad. Oh, okay. So it wasn't too <laughs> yeah, bad. Well, you know, they don't put the army in the, like any nice yeah. places, but yes, Barstow is like crack town. Um, but yeah, I had to do a 50 K <laughs> ruck march out there because I was oh my in gosh. a unit yeah. and you're like mm, we're gonna do 50k and i was like mm. yay thumbs up no. yay. So actually the, um that's why i was aviation we just flew and the first sergeant was like you're gonna make it you're gonna make it i'm like i got this leave me alone you just hate it when somebody tells you can't do something i'm just oh, gonna yeah. do it prove well, you wrong yeah i'm pretty sure i may have like <laughs> fractured something on that rug oh, mark, but nobody knew about it because oh, yeah. i was like mm, so, but he was, you know, the combat arms guys were right behind me. And that first sergeant was like, Hey, sorry, you gonna make it. I'm like, first sergeant, don't worry about me. You need to worry about your boys. <laughs> That's okay? right. And on the inside, I was crying. Right. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I would have been crying. We got it. Yeah. But I got it done and I got a belt buckle. So, you hey, there you go. That's important being a country girl. You gotta have that belt buckle. Is it big enough? Oh yeah, it's okay. well, it's, it's a calf belt buckle. Oh so yeah, that was okay, our so partici participation yeah. medal. Yeah, you know. So, so how far do you run usually? You say you go for runs in the morning. Yeah, it, it varies. Um, my hips kind of bother me today, so I just did it. You know, did elliptical for forty-five minutes. But generally, I, I run between four and six miles. I'm training for the Army ten mile. It's getting ready to come up. So on Sundays. Awesome. Uh, is my longest runs usually. So, you know, I'll do between six and eight miles this week on Sunday. Uh, and then a couple of 10 miles before the 10 mile comes around, but you know, I'm not anyone retired. So I, I run for miles. I don't run for time. So right. if I, I pick a goal, like I want to run three miles that day. And if I run four miles, great. That's a good thing. Right. I just hunted the good stuff that day. Right. Um, and so it, it just varies. So, you know, so well, but usually running. I try to run three to four miles. Yeah. Running is super therapeutic. Like you're just in your own zone and like you're meditating and it helps you feel better for some reason. It like makes you sometimes feel I, like a better I person. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I get thoughts and I do videos on Instagram. You can visit my Instagram, mm -hmm. you know, so I, my account. And I, I just do motivational videos. Like this one video I was running and my mind told me I could make it up the hill and I made it up the hill and I just stopped and made a quick Instagram video and say, Hey, my mind told me I couldn't run up that hill, but I ran up that effing hill. You know, you can yeah. do it, mm -hmm. you know? Don't let your mind control you today. Let, let you control your mind. That's, you know, right. that's a bad thing with PTSD. I talk about it is it's your mind. You can't control your mind. And, you know, it's just kind of like a sniper there, just kind of hiding back in the background, just waiting for that stress to get too much or a little too much to go on. And then it jumps out at you. And, and then how do you deal with those thoughts and feelings? And that's just, you just got to learn how to deal with those triggers. You never know when they're going to come up. So that's true. 
That's so true. And we have to be, when it, the more we are aware of the thoughts in our mind, the more that we can push those negative out and replace it with positive. And I mean, if anybody can do it, it's veterans because we have been through hell and back. Mm-hmm. Uh, a million and not even if you have it deployed, if you've been in the service, right. you know, just the fact that you signed up and went to service, I don't care if you guard reserves. Right. I don't know about Coast Guard. I'm just joking. No, but seriously, but if you served in, in, in any service, I mean, that itself is is selfish, you know, to yourself, you know, to go ahead and decide to do that. It's very unselfish to go and do that. But, you know, don't don't think you're less of a, you know, I talked to a lady who joined four and a half years and she never deployed and she was never proud of her service. And I'm like, why? You should be proud. You put the uniform on just because you didn't go somewhere. doesn't make your service less. And she graduated boot camp. That, and a lot of people right. see your boot camp. That's right. That's oh. right. And so I kind of helped. This was a couple of days ago. She was having a bad day and she called me actually on 9-11. And so I talked to her for about an hour and a half. And I just kind of wanted to change her mindset that, you know, don't don't feel bad because you only served and you didn't go anywhere. That doesn't make your service less. You know, we're all we're all brothers and sisters in this together. And we only got a short amount of time that's on right. this planet. We need to make it as as happy and as, fruit, as fruitful as we can. Um, so don't, don't thank yourself as less if you didn't go to Iraq or Afghanistan or Vietnam or whatever, it's, it, it means nothing really. It, the fact that you serve means a lot. Yeah. Well, we're still what the two, 2% of the population, right? Yeah. So doesn't matter. Uh, all right, chief, is there, do you have any, um, any kind of last thoughts for us as we, I mean, I'm sure we could chat forever. I'm really oh, yeah. enjoying well, it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, right. My wife always tells me, I've never known a stranger, right? So I just talk to anybody. My grandfather was that way and I, I'm kind of that way. You know, but I, I think what I want to leave with tonight is, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of different things, but you know what, if, 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 if you're that person and you're listening tonight and you're just not in a good way and the show goes away and maybe the kids went to bed or the wife went to bed or husband or significant other, and you're alone in that room and you're not having very good thoughts and, you know, you have that drink in your hand or, or you're, you're going somewhere to a dark place. Don't, don't be like me, you know, pick up the phone and, and call somebody because I guarantee you 1000%, you know, they love you and they care for you and they want you here tomorrow. And please give them that chance to at least to save you and help you get out of that moment that you're in. And, and I understand that moment 1000%. You know, I know what it's like not to want to see the sunrise. I know what it's like not want to see the sunset. I know what it is not want to wake up in the morning. I, I understand that fully, but I did not, absolutely did not do the right thing by not calling and reaching out for help. I know that now is lucky to survive my attempt, um, but I just kind of want to leave with anybody that if you're not in that that good place, give that friend or that family member or, or somebody the chance to help you because they really do want to help you. Thank you for that. And you are you are valuable and you have a, a purpose and a reason yeah. to be on this earth. So um, just know that, that, you know, you are. Yeah, I, I, I like watching motivational videos right now. And I want to say this real quick. It's just what you said just reminded me of it because I'm old and things just pop in your head. <laughs> but <laughs> but when I was watching this one guy and he said that you, what you know what the chances are of you being born uh, human in this world. Have you heard that? One in 400 trillion. So if you don't think you're special, unique, you're completely wrong because you are the fact that you were born a human on this planet. Yeah. One in 400 trillion. And I was like, wow, you know what? What was that 20 years ago? Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. A great statistic. <laughs> and for, you know, if anybody doesn't have that support or anything, come, come hang out with us over on Better and Trash Talk. We've got a Facebook 
group and a page. They, you know, the Zuck keeps trying to shut us down, but we mm-hmm. are always staying strong and always coming back together. And that is our main mission is making. And I'm going to go out and join you guys afterwards. My, yes. my Facebook page got <laughs> hacked. And so I'm in, currently in the process of rebuilding it. Um, so, well, I guess it got hacked. It just disappeared one day, but anyway, so it'll be back up. It and so when we get happen. done here, yeah, it happens. Instagram's mm-hmm. the worst. Yeah. Absolutely the worst. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd almost quit doing Instagram if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, my, my followers are important to me, but it, and then I had a fake account and I emailed Instagram and went through that whole process and they deleted my real account, kept the fake account. And once it deleted, oh, wow. it's gone. And so I had to rebuild that one last year. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, oh. but I think it's very important and frustrating and, and just keep moving forward. Well, I guess. Shout out what your it Instagram does. is. Uh, it's just Clifford Bauman. Simple. Clifford Bauman. And then mm-hmm. your website is cliffordbauman.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And same thing with my Facebook page. It's just Clifford Bauman. Clifford Bauman. Uh, yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah. I just make it simple. Nice. Like and- Clifford liked a big red dog. If you open up, you remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Lynn we all have kids. So. Facebook jail. Lynn is, Lynn is all about Facebook jail. She's- I'm always in, like, yeah. I always violate community standards somehow. I don't know how. Nice. Awesome. Like, Rock so on. Sweet. So right? I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I was, sweet. <laughs> it's I was just that better in mouth. I don't know. <laughs> I was at Nebraska doing a speaking event and it was for the Turner construction company and they had some veterans that were hurting, but I spoke to all the employees and it was great fun, but to build a data center for Facebook. Right. And, and so I get done speaking and all the veterans are kind of talking but two of the Facebook employees, very nice people came up and say, Hey, your story is really great, really powerful. And I just really wanted to say, then why do you kick me off your platform? But I didn't say it, but I really wanted to say it. <laughs> well, with all due respect. No. I mean, I know, do, right? it. do it, Chief. <laughs> why do you look at I know. me? Come on. Like, hey, hello. <laughs> and they had the coolest helmets and they wouldn't give me their helmet. I don't know why. It was just so cool. <laughs> That's <pretty laughs> you know, all about trying to get free stuff, right? Or I am anyway, so. <laughs> Yeah, well, we Speaking of which, we have shirts. We have a shirt for you. So if you go on veterantrashtalk.com, we have a shop there of shirts. So we normally give mm-hmm. our uh, person who comes on the show a free shirt. So nice. go ahead and look on that. You know, I would um, be a miss, but yeah. uh, I'm going to show you guys something real quick. So when I do speaking events, I had these shoes specially made. Oh, oh I love those. And so on one side, it says cool. you'll never walk alone. And on the other side, it's, it says suicide aware- prevention awareness. I love that. And so I always wear these when I go out and do speaking events. I had them custom made. And it, you know, just anything, it starts a lot of conversations, right? Like this guy's a lot of fun because look at these funky green and purple shoes he wears. Of course, my (laughs) wife was petrified I was going to wear them, but I like them. I love those. I would wear them. I'd rock them all the time. Yeah. They kind of look blue and green, like Seattle Seahawks colors. You know, it's football season now. (laughs) Well, yeah, being a Chiefs fan, I'm I'm gonna let that slide. I was gonna say, I'm not I'm not a Seahawks fan. I love Mahomes. Mm. I I'm a play fantasy, but either way, um, so for those of our viewers out there, and for Chief Bauman, we are on VeteranTrashTalk.com, and also our Facebook group with the community is VTT Official. So if you look up our community group where we post public stuff, funny memes and camaraderie is all there. We trash talk each other. It's VTT official. Mm-hmm. Our webpage for Facebook is VTT Throat Punch Mondays. VTT Throat Punch Mondays. Okay, I'll look at it. Are you guys on Instagram? Uh, uh, we, have a v- we have a veteran. Tra- <laughs> we have a veteran. Or did trash you get kicked Instagram. off? <laughs> no. Well, so Lynn and I run our own like separate Instagram pages that are separate from VTT, but we do have a VTT uh, Instagram page. Okay. Well, friend, friend me on Instagram. 
Better and trash talk. Yep. 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 All right. So with that being said, Lynn, do you have any final words? Um, be your own advocate, stand up for yourself. Only, you know, you listen to all the words chief Bobman told us super important, super special that he's on here. It's like so powerful that we have somebody like him who was in a leadership position to go out there and be strong enough and be brave to say something and speak up not only for himself, but for all the other service members out there. So thank you so much, Chief Bauman. We do appreciate you being here. And well, thank you for I your kind words. I appreciate it. You're here. That's good words. Mm-hmm. All right. Remember, women, we are speaking to our women still. But man, if you're listening, we love you too. <laughs> you're 10% of the 10%. Don't let anyone tell you because you're a woman that your service wasn't as hard or important. We are your voice and you will be heard. But we want to hear from everybody. So if you're struggling you don't have anybody, make sure that you're connecting with us. We are here to help you. And we do have a a big team of men and other women as well that are ready for you to reach out and just be your support system. So don't forget about us and check us out next time. And I would like to offer up that, um, you know, you don't have to be in a service related to be on Rally Point. If you're going to check out my blog on Rally Point, you know, just log on to Rally Point, look up CW4 Clifford Bauman and check out my blogs and learn how to be a mental health warrior, right? That's what we want to be. There you go. Awesome. It's important to everybody. I feel like Mm -hmm. everybody should be seeing a counselor because we all have issues, regardless of whether we're in the military or not. Hello, I have like a lot. So, but as (laughs) I'm perfectly normal, I mean, I'm by myself in the room right now, so I can say that because my wife would feel like, (laughs) (laughs) but that okay. Well, (laughs) (laughs) right. I can't say the same for myself. I'm not normal, but I embrace it. I'm good with it. So. But that's what makes us unique, right? We all can't be normal because that'd be boring, right? We all that's can't right. be great. Mm-hmm. So we have to be green or purple. We're not, we're not here to be like anybody else but ourselves. And that's why we have a special purpose on this planet. And you have to step into that purpose and that passion. That's right. And that's why, that's why we love you. So that's right. thank you again, chief. Thank you, Lynn. For a lot. Appreciate it. We appreciate it. This was such an excellent show and I look forward to connecting with you more. Absolutely. Yep. Take care. All right, guys. Bye.